Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. And welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right. Keeping up the Netflix and Chills 2021 coverage yet again this week, we have Robert Stewart, a.k.a. Stu from Stu World Order with us. Going to talk about some Netflix Halloween horror nostalgia. Basically reimagined and repackaged in various forms with things like the WWE interactive movie Escape the Undertaker and the horror movie episodes of the movies that made us season three that just dropped last week. How you doing, Stu? Good to have you back on the program. I am doing all right. You you always bring me on for these winners, man. I don't know how you find these <laughs> movies that you're like, yeah, this is what Stu deserves. Listen, I gave you a kind of sort of layup with these movies that made us, at least. It's like that's a good fair. That's fair. Those were, bone. those were good. I enjoyed those. Yeah. Have you watched those in the past? Like, um, uh, I've watched the toys that made us. Yeah. Like, I watched same the producer, all that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I've watched any of the movies that made us. What were some of the ones they did in the past? Like, I might have seen one or two. So, like, I remember watching the Die Hard one. I think the first season was like die hard i know they did home alone before they did dirty dancing jurassic park um, nope, definitely didn't watch any of those so maybe yeah, i just so remember done... the toys or or the cartoons <laughs> or whatever ones yeah they also did ghostbusters if that's part of your halloween viewing i was i was kind of talking to you off air like so what is kind of your halloween traditions like what do you do this time of year uh, mostly my wife decorates and she tells me I need to do things and I'm very lazy and I don't want to, uh, <laughs> we're, we're not the most organized or, or clean people. Like we're not hoarders. Like our house isn't a disaster or anything, right. but we're very much like when I'm done with something, I set it down and that's where it lives for now. Right. <laughs> so we have a Halloween party every year. This year, it'll be the 30th, the Saturday before Halloween. Right. And boy, we've just got to clean the house. And it's it's such a pain to even get into any of that. But yeah, we have a costume party every year. We have friends come over. Everybody has costumes. It's a, a pretty good time. And yeah, aside from that, watching a lot of horror movies, doing a lot of stuff like that. Uh, we went on a haunted hayride this past saturday she was very Ooh. excited about that very nice yeah we uh did a corn maze that i will never do again um because uh we you know when you're doing it with two young kids 
it better be an easy ass corn maze. This one, <laughs> like you know, uh, it was like Nicholson at the end of The Shining. Like you just think I'm gonna die here. Like even though it's you know not <laughs> the uh, the epic snow conditions uh, of of that place but no uh this was this was scary it was just uh oh i think we're good because we're by tree nope nope wrong turn gone can't get out so the beauty about corn mazes especially this one was like you get to an edge just walk the fuck out just 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 walk through the corn man yeah just get through (laughs) the corn isn't covered in razor wires yeah what am i teaching my children by just giving up and walking (laughs) through this corn i don't give a shit because i am hungry I want to get out of here. I gave you a pumpkin. What more do you want from me? So that was fun. So yeah, a lot of those things sound cool too. My uh, my daughter's a Halloween baby, so we always have a lot of fun around here trying to do those type of things too. Um, what do you watch? Because I mean, like you know, the I know you to be a horror fan. I've seen you on Pina Comics doing the whole rewatch of the entire Jason, you know, Friday the Thirteenth series. <laughs> You know, I'm sure you have other <laughs> loves besides those. I know you have very strong opinions about that particular franchise, but do you go back to the well? Or are you sick of that one in particular? Like, do you have certain ones you watch every year? I I tend to watch the Halloweens every year. Some of them, not okay. all necessarily, though. Last fall, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were getting a new house like they were having a new trailer brought onto their property whatever so all this stuff was weirdly timed and ended up being that my mother-in-law stayed with us for like two months okay and she likes watching movies and i was like let's watch every single halloween movie (laughs) so over the span of like two or three weeks we watched all the halloweens uh you know like you just said from september until about this past spring we watched all the jasons with uh larry and john over at pina comics I don't tend to necessarily like go out of my way to like always watch the Jasons or always watch the the Halloween movies, but honestly, they're a thing where like any time in my life, if anyone even remotely kind of wants to watch those, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. I yeah. watched I watched all the Jasons with John and Larry, and I think by February or March, I was over at my friend's house and they told me they had never watched them, and I was oh, like, my. well. <laughs> And so I made them watch part two and three that night. Wow. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I can't imagine I will ever in my life get sick of Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. I just love those franchises. They are the epitome of something from my childhood because I had great parents who, whenever I was like <laughs> seven years old, were like, here, let's watch all the Jason movies. Right. <laughs> so they're just comfort food to me. They're comfort food that to this day, probably like once every three to four months, I just have a Jason nightmare. Yeah. Like it, oh, it's really? had my entire life. Yeah. Jason is always trying to kill me in my dreams, but I love <laughs> the movies. I just, you know, I was a stupid little kid, five, six years old watching them. Brother from a different mother, man, because like my, my, my parents, it was kind of different. I wasn't engaging with these movies with my parents. But uh, my next door neighbor growing up was my best friend, and he was three years older than me. My brother's two years older than me, and I had a neighbor across the street who was four years older than me. So everybody was always older. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'd be going to people's birthday parties and be like, what are we going to do? 
let's watch Sleepaway Camp Part Two, of course. <laughs> you know, duh, because I'm six. You know, let's let's watch let's watch that. Obviously, that's what you need. Yeah, exactly. So you know, that was my early childhood. I watched you know Texas Chainsaw when I was like five or six. You know, it's like yeah, this totally makes sense. She's on a beat hook, love it. Um, let's go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have a signed uh, Texas Chainsaw poster with uh, from Gunnar Hansen. I met him at nostalgia. Oh, fantastic! Uh, nostalgia. Here, I'm already messing up but the magazine Fangoria Fangoria thank you uh met him at Fangoria uh in New York one year and uh he signed my poster very nice guy and um <laughs> I can't hang it up in my house because I'm afraid to freak out my children oh that's so scary. it's like the yeah, complete opposite you know of my <laughs> I'm my own childhood so you know I try to take it easy on him hopefully one day we'll get there um but not so much right now but I'm I'm the kind of guy that you know this is my period. I mean, obviously, covering this stuff, I'll, I'll watch a bunch of horror movies. But even this year, I kind of like made it a point. And I don't know if it was because of these movies that made us thing, or uh, the fact that we get a new Halloween movie this year. Like, I kind of went back and watched some of the OGs because I've always. I don't know if you're the same way, or you end up. You were saying they're like comfort food, so maybe you return to them more than uh, I have. But when I was a kid, that's all we watched. But I didn't watch them a lot after that like because you know my wife doesn't watch horror movies so we kind of get into like you know watching marvel movies or something else that's also comfort food you know some different variety of that but this year uh you know and any other kind of more recent years uh whether covering on the podcast or not i kind of go back and just try to watch all the horror movies i missed because my wife wouldn't watch them so now i'm playing catch up so i definitely went back and I rewatched. Uh, so the three movies that we're going to cover the episodes for are the horror ones from the recent season of the movies that made us, which was Friday the 13th, Halloween, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I got to say, like, as far as like horror blind spots go, like, I remember watching the Freddies. I don't really fully remember them. Like, the images, certain things like Johnny Depp. You know his sexy ass. You know, or you know, <laughs> or a few of those he had, iconic. He had great deaths. hair, amazing, amazing hair, and it hasn't changed much no. uh, over the years. So you know, <laughs> unless he's being a pirate or something, you know, it's pretty much the same haircut. Uh, <laughs> but good for him. Uh, not yeah. so lucky uh, in in that department. So yeah, not even close. No. Nope. <laughs> But so I did go back this time because I like these. Like I mentioned, I've watched a lot of these, uh, you know, and um, I'm sure you're not uh, listening to all my episodes all the time. I did mention on an episode recently about uh, Halloween Unmasked, uh, which is this podcast from the Ringer uh, podcast network that did a great job of it. And it has Carpenter, it has Jamie Lee Curtis, it has everybody involved which is something that we'll get to it, but like the Halloween one is like, okay, so we got to talk to the one guy and like, <laughs> you know, and then we kind of like fanned out a little bit from there, but you're not talking to the major people. Right. You know, yeah. Cause they have major star lives and they've done all this before. And they're like, eh, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been, know. it's been 40 some years. They've talked about Halloween enough. Yeah. And I, I don't blame them. So, you know, but I do like these, these, these episodes are very cheeky. They get to a lot of it. It's not like going to be this super serious. It's going to be in and out 45 minutes, get to the heart of what it was like 
and then get out. You know, maybe mm-hmm. catch up with what it's like. Um, so we'll start with those. Um, Friday the 13th was the first one I watched, and I know it's <laughs> we were just saying that's kind of like in your wheelhouse uh, in more current settings. The one thing I knew going in that was I didn't know what the extent was, but I knew that the director, Sean Cunningham, had done porn uh, or some <laughs> version of like these provocative adult films. We'll put that in quotes because, you know, his were more tasteful, I guess, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, they were they were the, the story porn like they, they exactly. had a plot. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't just the plumber comes over. And yeah. antics ensue. Yeah. It's like, oh no, we got a storyline going on and, and then they fuck. Right. Exactly. It's more like um what was the uh oh, oh I had it too. It was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> what was that? Uh there was like a ser- I'm outing you like, hey, remember 70s porn? Remember all that uh, porn you watched? <laughs> <laughs> there was this one uh oh Emmanuel. That was the one I was remembering. Okay. It was like this famous seventies porn series that was uh like they end up going in space by the time it goes. So it's kinda <laughs> like it's actually a lot like Friday the thirteenth. Just eventually everybody just, goes you to, go space. to space. Yeah. So <laughs> that Fast and the Furious, you know, and Emmanuel. Everybody knows those series. But I knew certain things about this, and I've seen this movie many a times. A lot of times, you know, as far as traditions go, if it is an actual Friday the 13th, I like to watch Friday the 13th, I've d- or at least one of them, you know, not watching the same one over again. But the interesting thing that I took away from, from this one, I don't know how you felt, but it was just amazing to see one of the most successful horror films, especially versus their budget in the history of, of horror movie making or movie making in general with a nothing script shot by a bumbling director and no name <laughs> actors. And it was this dynamo that made so much money. You mentioned the script and I really wonder like how well versed are you in all of the legal trouble that Friday the 13th has been in with Victor been Miller or currently in because I know they're tied up in a lot of issues. Right yeah, now. yeah. Yeah. They've had a lot of things with Victor Miller claiming that he owns it and the studio saying, well, no, you were work for hire. So anything you did, we own. So they've been tied up in who actually owns Friday the 13th and who owns what parts of it for so yeah. many years. And that's why we haven't gotten any new properties. And boy, this show seems like it really has a side because they're like, Oh yeah, Victor Miller wrote the script. We barely had a script. We right. just went out and did our thing. So it's like, I don't know if this if this documentary is picking sides, but they are really downplaying what Victor Miller did. Well, now, whether and, that's true or not, I don't know. But and they're not just to like, mention, ah, barely had a script. You know, he wrote something. Oh yeah, and not to mention Sean Cunningham is in not only this one but also a Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yeah. So I'm sure he was like a big source you know, for them. And, and even though he seemed a little standoffish in his interviews, I don't know if that's just his general demeanor or not, yeah, but yeah. it was like, okay. Um, but to me, I actually took it as, you know, yeah, he was successful obviously. And he, he has this major franchise and whatever, but man, to me, Savini and, and the, uh, the actual crew saved his ass constantly. It certainly seemed like it. Yeah. I, I loved all the stuff like Savini's talking about he and the other guy were driving off one day and yeah. he kind of looked out their truck window and saw them trying to do the fight at the end with, uh, Pamela yeah. and, and, uh, uh, Adrian Aunt, King. Aunt, Aunt, yeah. 
Yeah. And they stopped and we're like, no, <laughs> we'll fix this for you. Yeah. We'll teach you how to do a, a stage fight. Yeah, for sure. Which, of course, they just happen to know how to do all that, too. You know, Tom it was Sabine amazing. knows how to do everything. I know. I was I was actually like, could we just uh, is there like a good documentary on him? Because I know he's, <laughs> you know, known for, uh, you know, being this master of horror and guts and whatever uh, on before and after this movie. But obviously this was a big part of that, uh, because the thing that separates this movie in the context because literally they said out of their mouths like let's rip off halloween and they did uh they just put it in a camp instead of like a regular neighborhood and and went from there but i mean man between savini uh wes craven coming in and jumping in which we'll get to with the nightmare on elf street one it's so wild that they lived like on the same floor and were like making the adult films together yeah you know and then kind of went off their separate ways and and helped out but also kind of helped out each other on the beginning of these franchises um and the composer saved his ass in post you know like they're uh, the the executive producer seemed to be like enter in and like make decisions that saved it too. He just had an incredible roster of people <laughs> that just kind of fixed everything. Meanwhile, uh, he also had people like he had Bing Crosby's son. I didn't know that yeah, was Bing Crosby's son. I, neither this whole did time. I. That uh, was the first I'd heard of that too. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, there's a bunch of little like tidbits. I love uh, being a person in Connecticut, uh, which, you know, there's some, some current horror movies or thrillers. Like I know there's a Stephen King being shot right, uh, now a Stephen King film adaptation being shot here. And I did just go to a double feature that was through scary Larry Dwyer that they did like local, um, you know, Connecticut horror movies that they did double feature at the strand in in Seymour here in Connecticut. But I didn't know that uh adrian king betsy palmer yes betsy palmer lived in rowayton connecticut so she's uh-huh. also local to here and that was uh part of the thing i didn't know that was part of the reaction to this movie where it was like a big protest did you know about kind of the the reactions to this movie early on i didn't it makes sense i mean that's it's america i mean <laughs> That feels like the kind yeah. of thing that we would have. We're all very puritanical in aspects of it. So I could a hundred percent see that. Yeah. I mean, but you know, again, it's, it's not the first horror movie yeah. ever made. And again, it's ripping off something else. Now we'll get to it when we get talk about Halloween, but Halloween went out of its way to not be bloody. So this one was kind of like the upped ante version of that. Um, so, and you know, maybe upped in a certain other ways, you know, a little more skin, maybe a little more, uh, you know, yeah, especially with the younger crowd, you know, babysitters in one camp counselors in the other, it's all the same age group. It's all, you know, people just, uh, screwing and getting killed. So this one, you know, also has Kevin Bacon, which is very notable to, you know, it was no name actors, but then also Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon, yeah. I like the story the the one girl told about how she was very nervous about the sex scene. So yeah. Kevin Bacon like took her off and just got her high and then they yeah. came back and did the sex scene. So yeah. yeah, that's that's a little skeevy, but hey. I guess I guess the, she didn't seem like she was like, oh, it was regretful or anything. So hey, no, she good on you, pretty, lady. Yeah, she seemed pretty into it. And and for the fact that she also kind of 
you know, was the person at the end of this episode where she takes them back to actual, like, the Camp Crystal Lake that they used and everything, which I believe is in New Jersey, right? The actual Camp Crystal Lake that they use. And I think they do tours I, and stuff, I'm too. sure Larry knows that. I actually thought it was in Connecticut. Like, it's set in New Jersey. No, they're... It, well, right, the, they the movie shot is it set in New, New Jersey. Jersey. But no, the, set, there like, is that's... an actual Camp Crystal Lake in Connecticut. Oh, okay. Um, but, I, I remember yeah. Larry talking about these things, but Larry just knows everything <laughs> about everything in horror. And eventually, like, yeah. my brain just runs out of room for everything Larry has told me. <laughs> yeah. Your like, eyes I just know, glaze I, over. I know aspects of Friday the 13th were in, were shot in Connecticut. I don't know if the camp was or anything like that, but right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Gotta it, call Larry up on the super phone right now. and <laughs> Exactly. Get the Tell us where we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just parachutes in. That would be great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's there's definitely a bunch of fun stuff. I never knew that uh, the, the, the theme that they use for the killer Mrs. Voorhees stuff. Spoiler alert. I guess if you've never, <laughs> if you've never seen what? a movie that's how old now. I've never I've yeah. never seen Friday the 13th or the movie Scream. This is yeah. brand new information to me. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, the composer saying that it's just the words kill and mom but put into yeah. I didn't know that that was specifically the word. So that that was a cool little uh interesting tidbit i guess uh for people who have watched the movies and never really like did big deep dives before. I did know that, that it was supposed to be like, kill, 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 ma, ma, ma. But it just yeah. sounds like, chi, chi, ah, ah. So I don't know. Her. It does. And that's yeah. what everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you can say it's killing mom. And I'm sure that was your inspiration <laughs> for it. But it's just chi and ah. Yeah. Hey, but it's notable. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's I've never created anything that good. So. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I completely botched the uh, the crossover. But when I was talking about going to see the local uh, Connecticut horror movies, I forgot that Adrian King was in one of them. Um, oh, so, fantastic! So well, do she, you know what that was? Uh, the Dead Girl in Apartment Three. Okay, so, so sounds played, great. Yeah, she plays a cop uh, in that one, um, and yeah. It, it, you wouldn't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> so, but uh, I did. I remember, I recognized the name. I was like, oh, who, who, which one was she? So I kind of did that. But that's it's interesting that these people still have some kind of legacy for it. Um, the only thing that didn't work for me in that episode when they went back to the Camp Crystal Lake because she was just like, it seemed very put on. She was not a yeah. very good kind of like hostess of like, you know, yeah. giving us the tour. It uh, looks just the same. Yeah. Okay, good for you. We weren't there. The there first were time. leaves here once. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, we we we've rent, you know wrung the water out of this towel. <laughs> like we're done. <laughs> but overall, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, it was a good way to to kick it off. And like I said, you know, you move on from that one. I watched uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street one next. And you already have the inside track on Wes Craven, um, you know, doing the adult films with uh, Sean Cunningham. And, you know, I, I found some of these things. Craven and Carpenter are definitely more auteurs. And obviously they're. they're <laughs> than Sean Cunningham? Yes, yes. than Sean Cunningham. <laughs> so it's good to kind of get like the, you know, the entry level one, which is right the 13th. Yeah. And then seeing where kind of the true like philosophers you know these yeah. really deep thinking guys who really made a lot and if you go back i mean it's it's night and day between the quality and the thought as far as plot and everything else for these movies too so you can kind of really see but 
you know, they didn't really talk. They can't talk to Craven currently, but they didn't even have like older footage or anything like that. So, you know, Robert England is always going to be available. That's what he does. That's his thing. Um, so they he had still him. looks good. Like I you know. could make him up and I would still watch him as Freddie right now. Yeah. So when was the last time they had one though? It's been over a decade for that one too. The last time he's played Freddie, I think was 2003 in Freddie versus Jason. Right. But I mean, uh, when they rebooted it, when was oh, that, that was last around 2009, one? 2010? Yeah. So we're talking over a decade. Yeah. That was the thing. Uh, so in the last Jason, it's been a while again because of the court stuff. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting where that's going to develop and, it's hard to not have Freddie be Robert England, so yeah, like you can put anybody behind a hockey mask. We'll always exactly. kind of miss Kane Hodder, the people that like are big Friday fans, and we know him from like parts seven through ten. But yeah, you could put anybody behind the hockey mask; it's fine. You can put anybody in the universe under a Shatner mask; it's yes. fine. But yeah, like Freddie is Robert England. Period. Yeah, it's the tough part because even though he's in this, you know, completely disfigured makeup heavy thing, that voice is so signature and mm -hmm. you got, you know, just silent demons on the other side. Yeah, they could do whatever you want with. So that's kind of the, the thing that strikes me about this one. Same thing with Leatherface. They can obviously do that yeah. however they like and, and, and kind of go back, which... Um, a pudgy dude under a mask. <laughs> right, exactly. And I know that uh, Netflix just acquired that new uh, Texas Chainsaw sequel that retcons everything except the first <laughs> and goes uh, that way. So I don't know why they didn't release that one because I know it's done. Unless they're doing like a recut or something and, and they're going to release it like later on, you know, like either next Halloween or what have you. But yeah. They acquired that like a couple months ago, so we'll we'll see where that ends up. If they do it after the Halloween period, that'd be yeah. Interesting. I don't know why you would put it out after, but yeah, I would <laughs> Netflix hope Netflix makes just money. Gonna... What do they care? <laughs> oh yeah, it's just gravy to them. They could literally be like, you know, on October thirtieth, be like, hey, surprise, here it is. And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. awesome, this is great, um, and they would still get a bunch of views, and they wouldn't care. So that would be interesting, but. Nightmare on Elm Street, as its pitch, was kind of like, you know, the financial disaster, uh, you know, and kind of propping up New Line Cinema as this new thing. That was mostly the story for me. Um, you know, cause it was kind of cool to hear about how they came about uh, the whole what if somebody was killing them in their sleep thing with the yeah, Cambodian, Cambodian nightmare. Study, yeah. Which, I mean, is kind of mentioned in... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's kind of like glazed over. It's like a little story or whatever. But this one, I didn't know that was that heavy of an influence. Yeah, I, I think I had heard about that before. I thought the the biggest thing from Nightmare on Elm Street that I got a kick out of that I didn't know previously is that they foolishly just decided to use real knives on the glove. <laughs> yes. So that Robert England could mutilate himself and anyone around him. All the time. <laughs> they didn't just have any fake things that look like knives. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, you couldn't even just have yeah blades that are dulled and just yeah. shaped in that way. I know it was a cheap project, but Jesus, like it was already <laughs> made by like, again, uh, we're talking about how much the production was saved for Sean Cunningham in that one. Man, the inventiveness of the team around Wes Craven was oh, also yeah. incredible. Like the how they shot 
uh, <laughs> I laugh because of the electricity and the people almost dying. But you know, <laughs> the the fact that they did the the room flip uh, with the the blood coming out from when Johnny Depp is killed, right? That's that scene, correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. The blood is I, well, up they do the room flip two different times, but that's right. the second time in the movie. Yeah. And those are the two iconic shots. I mean, because you have the the gushing blood out of the bed for the Johnny Depp one, and then obviously the first kill um from the best friend uh you know where she's getting flipped around in the air and then she kicks her boyfriend right in the face <laughs> always a good time so those were really inventive like so if, if the big takeaway for that one is just the inventiveness the the whole you know new line cinema and trying to get the financing always dropping out i i feel like there's always a mention and and these movies are all prime examples I don't hear a lot of stuff since like the 90s about being incredibly inventive on set, like because they just didn't have the money or didn't have. Oh, yeah. Well, now know, we have computers. <laughs> I know you can kind of get, you know, saved a lot by that. Um, but again, you know, it also takes certain technical savvy. So it's not like, you know, yeah. it's nothing. But, you know. I, I, well, I like figure, a good story about this. We're talking about the rotating room, which they yes. used back in 1984 for Nightmare on Elm Street. And then what? They used it again 10 years ago in Inception to great success. So, I mean, for stuff sure. that they did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, still paying off nowadays. And don't forget that one Metallica video where they were uh, <laughs> rotating around the room off of uh, Load. I think it was uh, Until It Sleeps had the, the rotating room i believe if i Maybe. remember correctly i remember yeah. until it sleeps just has like fable monsters and shit like that i thought and mary i'm thinking, faithful yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> being all i'm creepy. not the world's biggest metallica knowledgeable person <laughs> so i got growing up and this is all thematic to the episode like my parents it's you know divorced i would spend every other weekend with my dad or whatever we would go out to d's video in bel vernon and yeah. rent a bunch of old wrestling pay-per-views and a bunch of old horror movies. There you go. And I maintained my love for horror movies and wrestling. <laughs> he also tried to get me into like hair metal and heavy metal and shit. And that just, that didn't work so much. Yeah. <laughs> that is the divorce guys playbook. Like you might as well have been like, Hey, can we turn this movie off? We got to watch dream on, on HBO. While we're at it. You know, just hanging out. That is, and we got easily. pizza from Fox's pizza. That's it. That's that was exactly it. it. It's, it's <laughs> nugget time or it's, yeah, or it's pizza. That's it. That's all you got. But yeah, I, like I said, I, I think the inventiveness was really cool. You know, they always toss out those little uh, tidbits too. Like Freddy Krueger was the name of the bully that beat up Wes Craven when he that was. That was interesting, and yeah. the, the whole thing about like Wes Craven saw a burn victim once and was scared of him, which is kind of yeah, sad. But yeah, the sad uh, like it's not even that. It was combined with another homeless drunk he saw on the street where it had the hat and everything else. So it was That's like, true, oh yeah. god. So literally, he just took stuff that freaked him out and just combined it all, which is a lot of horror movies, uh, at, you know, before and after him. So it's what freaks you out that you know is is easily what works. But yeah, it's a movie that could have easily never been made. A script that was shopped for years, um, you know, given by like kind of this this huckster, you know, <laughs> who like would sell watches and VHSs out of his trunk. Out of you his, know? yeah. 
you know, and then turning it into a major movie studio. That's exactly how you draw it up, right? And then, like, the woman who was really the saving grace for him ends up being, like, a studio head one day. You know, that this is how it starts. And and Halloween's a very similar story. What's her name? Something Hill? Deborah Uh, Hill. Deborah Hill, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Where she was, like, the right, you know, hand woman uh, to John Carpenter and married to him and everything else. And then she becomes... Uh, like kind of like a studio head or a big studio executive before she unfortunately passed away uh, too young of an age. But, you know, did you have any other takeaways from Nightmare before we jump into Halloween? Um, No, I mean, it's it's I, I just got a kick out of Nightmare. Like you said, it's unfortunate that they couldn't bring in Wes Craven. Like even if he wanted to, he couldn't bring in Wes Craven. I'd like to hear more about, you know, his process and everything. But Nightmare was the third one I watched. I think I watched them sequentially and that was the third one. And by nightmare, it was getting to be the same story. Like we didn't right. have money and then we went and got money and we yeah. made the movie and it's like, all right, that's, that's fine. I mean, I'm, I, I get, you know, it's hard to make movies. Like there's yeah. poor people who want to make movies and there's <laughs> rich people who just want other people to make movies for them. It all works out in the end, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was the story for Halloween. That was the story for Friday the 13th. And that was the story for this one. Like I had an idea and there was another guy who wanted to use my idea and he promised me this much money, but he didn't have that much money. Right. So I had to go to this mob guy or this, uh, you know, Sultan from uh, the Middle East or something to get it made or whatever. (laughs) So it's always some weird story in terms of uh, the financing stuff. Yeah, Especially Uh, in the Halloween one, because they're talking like they have this guy who's the producer and it's like. You're not Mustafa Akkad. We all know Mustafa Akkad was the guy who produced Halloween <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. and put up all the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just an amazing, like we were saying about some a similar story to some of these other uh, horror movies that are on these episodes. The major takeaway I had with Halloween, especially because I've heard the, the stories in depth in other ways for this one, it was how the movie industry was back then. You know, because a lot of talk of how movies were dying and any producer worth their salt should go into TV because it's fresh and happening and there's so many projects. Sound familiar to right now? (laughs) And like, so it's so funny. Like, we always think, you know, the vibrancy of the movies has always been there. But there's been talk like many times since the, you know, the golden age of cinema that like, yeah, this could all go away. People don't care about movies as much as they used to. And then we figure out some way to get that back in and get movie theaters to keep going and everything else. So that was kind of like a little bit refreshing or a little bit, you know, hopeful yeah, to, for me. To, ju- to just know that like everybody nowadays who's saying like, oh, you know, movies are going to die. They're not going to be movie theaters soon. And it's like, well, you might right. be true, but you know, we've played this game before. It's very cyclical in, in nature. Like this comes and it goes. And I don't know, to me, I can be a dinosaur a lot of times in life, but man, I love the movie theater. I have the love AMC it. A plus or, or whatever it's called thing where I can see yeah. three movies a week for whatever it is, $40 a month. I love it. Yeah. I think it's great. I love going to the movie theater. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have, uh, you know, my local movie theater, the Cinemark, franchise stuff here i have the the movie pass or whatever their thing is and you know the movie club whatever and it's great you know and it's 
you know, I realize you're on a streaming service, uh, <laughs> a Netflix original movie podcast, but talking you know, about how much you love going to the movies. But I do, and, yeah. and, and you know what's great is uh, actually in a couple of days I'm going to go see a Netflix movie on the big screen, and eventually all these things, it's all going to be the singularity. All studios yeah. are going to have their streaming service and their you know limited uh, theater run, and that's how we're all going to go. Netflix wants yeah. to put more stuff out in theaters and then people like Disney and HBO Max are trying to build up their streamers. We're all going to converge at some point and we're just going to have movies anywhere the hell you want it all the time. <laughs> Which so, I am fine with. Yes. I will watch movies all day. That is great. Yeah. I don't care whoever's uh, <laughs> fighting over streaming wars and everything else. Just make it better for the consumer. Yes. Please. Um, which, uh, again, the, that same producer who's on this the entire time for the Halloween episode, uh, where his wife said to him, you know so much about movies, why don't you make them? I, I keep getting inspired. I'm like, I'm going to make a movie this year. I swear, I'm going to like just try to make a short or something. Yeah. Like I'm just going to, you know, fuck podcasting. I need to be creative. <laughs> I was like, his, this old guy's wife is right. Um, I'm, stay, stay tuned to this episode of the Nomcast where Andrew says, fuck podcasting. <laughs> yes. <that's, laughs> what we're doing right yeah. now. This is stupid. <laughs> that's Let's make going, a movie. That's going on the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're a podcaster too. Half oh yeah. The, yeah. Half the time. Oh, yeah, all we do is like, fuck I, podcasting. I, 100%. <laughs> especially, especially if you're the one who's going to edit this afterwards. It's like, oh yeah, yeah fuck everything. Fuck my voice. <laughs> fuck everything. So, yeah. But uh, any other major Halloween takeaways? You know, obviously they don't talk to Jamie Lee. They don't talk to Carpenter. But the way yeah. they talk, you know, everybody always talks about Carpenter, how how cool he was, how smart he was, you know. And Deborah Hill, you know, every actress is like, thank God for Deborah Hill. Um, so there's always, you know, it's just this amazing team. So it's just the one thing I like to hear, which, again, you don't hear anymore a lot, very, very rarely, is... These people who all came together didn't care whether they got paid, just wanted to, like, make something so badly that they were like, ah, whatever, we're not getting paid this week. Yeah, cool. you're not getting paid next for, the, week. for the week, yeah. yeah we'll hopefully yeah. pay you back. We'll see how it turns out. Right. And then you make something great out of it. You know, it, it there's something uh, I've been watching a lot of um, the Robert Rodriguez, uh, you know, 10-minute film series stuff or or any of these, like, you know, he made his first film, El Mariachi, for seven grand. And, like, that's kind of, like, some of these stories that I love to hear and how they did it and, how, you know, what big ideas can come out of such small financial means. It's very, you know, I, you know, have worked for Kevin Smith, who had a very similar thing where he's, like, he sold, sold all his, his comic, comic books. books. Yeah. Yep. To, to And then bought them all right back and now owns a comic <laughs> book shop. So good for him. You know, those are stories that I loved growing up that made me want to make films and, and be in love with films for the rest of my life. So this is another one of those stories where it's like just these people who got together and it's like, they were all friends and they're like, this person married this person. And they're all like together, you know, it's amazing. It's just literally a family that just made the first Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's a major franchise who sucks now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I did appreciate Halloween No, no, no. We'll, yeah. Good. We'll get, we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> I did appreciate that they, everybody they inter interviewed, and you don't expect them not to say this, 
but they yeah. all talk about just how awesome Jamie Lee Curtis is and like she's yeah. legitimately one of the really good people in Hollywood and that's yeah. good to hear man she seems awesome I know she was writing kids books for a while yeah and I know she went through a thing in the early 2000s where like when magazines wanted her she was like I'm not wearing makeup because I yeah. want people to see the real me and I, re I really appreciate Jamie Lee Curtis man yeah, and I've had, you know, my stomach's never felt better having all that activity over the years. So, I'm, I'm, so I'm, much I'm... probiotics. <laughs> That's great. No, I love her. I, I adore her. You know, she was, you know, we're of, of similar age. She was right in that, you know, zone of the horror movies we watch. You know, by the way, uh, for anyone who cares, Halloween, if, if you want to watch it, I know, and nobody knows what these services are on. Um it's currently on Shutter. It's on AMC TV Plus uh, and Nightmare on Elm Street. I watched on HBO Max. So I'll be generous with the plugs for other streaming services because I kind of wanted to make a point. It's like, oh, yeah, they'll make stuff like this. But Netflix has such a hard time of like getting the rights to all these things because yeah. all the these legacy studios. Um, and Friday the 13th, I know, is on Peacock because after I watch Halloween Kills oh, on there, okay. uh, it is also on, on Peacock. So... Um, you know, so you can find all these, you know, if you're, if you're able to have all these streaming <laughs> services all at once, I did just mention they're all on three different ones. So it never gets yeah, easy. It's not um, easy at all, man. But you know, it is that time of year though. So if you want to go back and, and watch those and then pair it with these, I did that. And that's, it's a fun time to be like, oh, right. They, that's how they made that shot. That's awesome. And then kind of go back and see it in in real time i forgot how cartoonishly awful that pull through the mother through the door in a nightmare in elm street is especially for oh, how, yeah. in, how inventive yeah. that movie is and then to end it on such a like like almost married with children gag <laughs> like you uh, they don't talk about it at all in the the documentary and i don't know how but you have the effect with like freddie like pushing through the wall yeah and it looks like he's coming through spandex or something and like yeah, that yeah. looks great and the rotating room and it looks great and all the freddie effects and then yeah. yeah you end the movie with him just grabbing a mannequin it's like nah what <laughs> yeah. happened yeah like the they literally just ran out of money that day and they were like shit yeah you just have this one mannequin laying around after the convertible top comes over and it's the Freddy uh, sweater. Yeah. Oh, it's so <laughs> stupid. Compared to everything else, it's such a dumb way to end yeah. it. But of course, what what was it? It wasn't Craven's idea. It was when the studio decided to interfere. That was the one thing. They were like, we have to end it on this kind of like Friday the 13th type ending where somebody gets grabbed, something uh, to lean to the next yeah. one. And that's exactly what happened and it's so cartoonish you can't let the evil rest the evil has to come back at the end yeah it's all oh, that mannequin shot was rough <laughs> yeah so, so wh which one of these is kind of like your favorites like i know you just did the whole rewatch with friday but and there's so many to choose from for all of these but uh if you had to want one that you're like this one's the goat of those three do you have one uh, Halloween has the best movie. Like Halloween yeah. 1978 is better than any movie from any other other franchise. But I tend to enjoy the Friday the 13th more as a franchise because the Halloween series kind of goes up for a little bit, peaks, right. and then just falls off a cliff and has not been good in 23 years. Sure. But Friday I like H two O, but other than that, I agree yeah, that's the one that's yeah. 23 years ago. That's that's the last is one it? I think is good. Yep. Isn't that oh, sad to God, think of? God, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're right. God damn it. Yeah. Yep. 
Halloween 2018 was the 40th anniversary, and then we're three years out from that. <sighs> Man, you're right. God damn my math. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the the Friday series just goes all over the map. Like it's it's up, then it's down, then it's up again. Like you you get part one is fine. It's a it's a movie, and then you get the part two, which is great. And then three, right. and a lot of people like four, five's the weird one without Jason. Then six is fantastic. Six is the one yeah. where they're just taking the piss and they're just like, ah, nobody's taking these movies seriously. <laughs> yeah. And then in seven, he fights Carrie essentially. At eight, he goes to New York on a boat. Yep. Nine is <laughs> terrible, but that's yeah. the one that New Line bought the rights to and they didn't have the rights to various aspects of the mythos. So right. they just came up with this like Jason knife that kills him. But then they sent him to space and say what you will, that movie's fantastic. Because again, <laughs> no part of that movie's taking itself seriously. They're like, yeah. yeah, we're the 10th movie in a franchise. We're sending our <laughs> hockey mask killer to space. Right. We know what we're making. Yeah, he just went to hell. We got to do the complete opposite. <laughs> so don't worry, we got this. Yeah. yeah, like Halloween plateaued 23 years ago and has just been falling off a cliff ever since then. Friday yeah. the 13th, like, it's it just goes up and down, and I'm fine with that. Now, the one thing that I don't know how we could recapture or not, because we keep making these movies. This franchise doesn't die, you know, just like Michael Myers. They keep getting right back up and going right back to business. Like, there's something about just the icon, the iconography of these villains that, no one cares. They just want to keep seeing the next one. They It just keeps going and going and going. How come we really haven't had one? Like, these movies are all ancient where they started. How do we not have too many? Like, I feel like we have, like, maybe a couple of versions of that since. Do you, Who do you think has now entered that next rung? Like, if you were. Like, is it, you know, like, Saw, you know, having someone like uh, Jigsaw? Oh, it's, or, oh, it's, you know, it's Annabelle. Annabelle. Right? It's got to be yeah. Annabelle in my head. Like Annabelle's gotten three of her own movies. The Conjuring has three of their own movies. It feels to me like. And Pennywise has made a comeback too. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if there, how many more they're going to make past that second one, which kind of didn't do as well. No. Well, I think that's, I mean, that's the end of the story. I think, I don't think they're just going to make up more Stephen King story to do. Well, they might. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Have you not watched horror <laughs> Well, yeah that's true yeah uh but i don't know it's it, it feels like horror nowadays is less character driven like in the 80s it was all yeah. about the characters it was about michael and jason and freddie and then chucky and pinhead right you don't really have so many of those characters like yeah i guess jigsaw to a degree in the the 2000s but in the 2010s like the babadook didn't become a franchise <laughs> right yeah <laughs> And yeah, it's I don't know. It it follows didn't become a franchise of it following. So right, yeah. But I that's guess the it, thing though. In Why the 2000s, you also had the Paranormal Activity demon. So right. I don't know, but it feels like the last 15 years we've kind of gotten away from horror movies being you know character driven. Yeah, which I find odd because you're seeing these people who can make movies for 40 years. Yeah, <laughs> like wouldn't you think like this works? Let's do something like it. But I think the reason for that is it's, again, the cyclical nature of nostalgia. Now sure. you have people like you and me where we're we're 40, like we have the money, we're the ones working right now. And we're right. like, I want what I had when I was a kid. 
sure. give me more of that. Yeah. That's why they're making GI Joe movies now. That's why they make Ninja Turtles movies a couple years ago. They're they know who they're aiming at. And yeah, I mean to be fair, Halloween, like I said, hasn't had a good movie in 23 years. I still saw Halloween Kills the night it came out. I'll right. still see Halloween ends the night it comes out because yeah. I'm just tied to this franchise. I'll watch it and I'll complain and it'll be great. Yeah, and it's the same. That's exactly it. I didn't like the first uh, David Gordon Green, right? Uh, yes, that he yeah. did. And, you know, I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to see it. And then everyone I knew was going to see it. And I was just <laughs> yeah. like, I guess I just want to be a part of the conversation, which is what <laughs> this is now. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like the peer pressure to be like, no, I thought it was shitty too. You know, like that, that you just need to be there for that. And yeah, that's where this has kind of gone, but I'll end with this before we get to, uh, you know, shifting gears with a little WWE stuff we'll, <laughs> we'll end with. But so what is your kind of like, what have you watched anything recently like horror that you absolutely loved? Because I'm kind of getting my... right back. I know your letterbox is very active. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a ton of movies lately. So that's the the bad thing about watching a ton of movies is they all leave my head because I have right. to make room for the next one. Uh, right. Let's see. Oh, God. I watched for another podcast. I watched the first Scream movie. Holds Love up. It. Really Love good it. movie. Yeah, it really does. But be- because I watched the first Scream movie, I was like, I'm going to watch Screams 2 and 3. They aren't so good. You <laughs> they aren't so me. good at all. Was it you who yelled at me for that? Or no, I think it was your post and somebody else yelled at me that I yeah. actually like three better than two. And they're like, are you brain damaged? So <laughs> I'm, I need to go it back. It wasn't me yelling again, at you, but yeah, I, rough. Yeah, I mean, I thought three at least got back to, you know, getting in the, uh, the cotton weary of it. Like getting back into the actual heart of what was going on with the first one and really getting back to basics. That's why I like it. Scream 2 is like a music video with, you know, that felt dumb. It's like, great, the Cottonmouth Kings are here. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> you know, uh, and then the whole stab thing. I never was, like, yeah. huge into that, which, again, uh, for how much well, I see, love. Well, see, are you talking about three or four, though? Oh, four is god-awful. Okay. I hated that one. Three, three, I is, like. three is still all about stab and everything. It's the one no, like, I know. in it never okay. ends, unfortunately. Okay, okay. <laughs> they keep doing all that. But um, no, I, I, I have to go back and rewatch those because again, I haven't watched them since they came out. You know, I never I had, besides the first scream, I don't really revisit very often. Yeah, I don't think uh, they're worth it. <laughs> but what's funny is, you know, because it is Craven and it's I I really like one of my favorite of the nightmare series is a new nightmare. And that's kind of like the impetus for like where he goes a little bit with scream and, and that kind of like, you know, meta self-effacing kind oh, of yeah. versions of things. My minus the humor, a new nightmare is just proto scream for him. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's very effective. It's, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that one still holds up. So I would recommend that if you're doing anything. But sorry, you were saying you're, what you've been watching. Yeah. Oh, I also watched a really terrible horror movie from like the very end of the 90s called Idle Hands. Yes, starring Jessica that is Alba. God awful. Yes. <laughs> real bad. And I watched it just because it had Jessica Alba and it was like an hour and a half. I was like, all right, I can yeah. stomach this. It's it's pretty terrible. I regret <laughs> having watched that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like... um. Uh, because in Connecticut here, we had Connecticut Horror Fest with Larry and everything else. And, and 
they had a whole screen panel. So they brought back Matthew Lillard and, and Skeet Ulrich. And <laughs> I mentioned that to a friend of mine. They're like, wait, Matthew Lillard? You mean of 13 ghosts, Matthew Lillard? <laughs> I was like, oh, why would you? Why are you saying that with Why optimism? are you going in that direction? <laughs> Jesus. That is a real-time capsule movie. Even for being oh, a remake yeah. and everything else, it's garbage. Oh, really? I, I It's been a long time since I've seen it. I remember liking it the last time I saw it. And okay. Matthew Lillard, man, in Scream, boy, is that a reaching for the brass ring performance. <laughs> yes, like, like There's acting, and then there's what Matthew Lillard is doing in Scream. And it's like, all right, guy, you're I great. I love it, though. Yeah. I know. Just so over the top. He, he Here's the thing. In real life, as in his movie performances, he gets the assignment and doesn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> for, for anyone who wants to watch it online, uh, the Connecticut Horror Fest did the Scream panel, and, uh, you know, basically, <laughs> poor Larry had all these questions prepared and everything else, and he was like, yeah, 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 we're just going to talk to the audience. Let's do this. Let's have a powwow, <laughs> Scream fans. And, like, he just rolled up and just was, like, on the whole nice. time. So. Shout out to him for being that cool and sorry to Larry. <laughs> Poor guy. Like, yeah, st- I could just see him staying up all night trying to figure the mo- most perfect questions and just being like, all right, I'll and just Matthew sit Lillard's here with like, him. nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Get out of here, Larry. I don't know you. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, but, you know, he does that. And he was just in, uh, you know, because he's also famous for being in She's All That. Um, oh, you know, so the Netflix kind of like update gender swap remake. Oh, right. Um, yeah. He's all that came out and he's in that as like the principal of the school and he gets the assignment. He's up there dancing. He's making jokes like he totally got it. He was like, right. This can be fun if you don't take it seriously. Like just yeah. do what you got to do. And I loved him for it. He was so yeah. good in that movie for a movie that's a complete garbage fire. So like. It's yeah. it's great. So he, I appreciate him, even though there are some really bad choice movies that he made back then. I'll, I'll still ride with him. Yeah, I don't know. I maybe they just weren't giving him enough. He did the Scooby Doo's man. He right. That's his other thing. He's big and famous for. I actually just a couple months for the first time ever watched the first Scooby Doo movie. Not good, but man, no. he he's just trying. He's just he wants you to know he, that he's he putting sold in, it. He's yeah, not he's the got hundred percent effort. No, not at all. And I mean, I don't think you could possibly have found someone to do that role better. No. And I mean that just the like, <laughs> hey everybody come to my uh you know Netflix Halloween episode podcast to talk about Scooby Doo <laughs> Scooby Doo but, yeah, but like the, this what is was where it? we it was... talk about Matthew Lillard for half <laughs> right. an hour but that movie is like proto nineties casting where it's like Sarah Michelle Gellar oh, yeah. Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr yeah you know and then you know Lillard and who is uh who is Velma the the girl from Freaks and Geeks right. I don't remember her name, but yeah. She was also an ER, I think. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm totally blanking on her name. But yeah, completely ripped out of 1990s casting. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, but yeah, I, not something I'm going to return to. But these horror movies and a bunch of things, I, I'm, I'm going back. I'm trying to go you know, rip through a lot of these. And it was cool to kind of revisit these. So I recommend people, you know. Go back to the classics like you always do and then maybe check out these episodes to kind of really see how the sausage was made and, you know, just shrug off Sean Cunningham at times because he's kind of a he's kind of an odd dude. But (laughs) it's funny because they talk about Friday the 13th. They're like, oh, we blatantly just ripped off Halloween. Well, 
then you get to Halloween 2, which blatantly just ripped off Friday the 13th. Yeah. Because they were like, oh, people want gore and blood? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, exactly. It's all about dollar signs, and that's Mm -hmm. a very common theme with how a lot of these franchises went going forward. So, uh. You look at it like Halloween came out, Friday the 13th ripped off Halloween 2, or Halloween, then Halloween 2 ripped off Friday the 13th. Then in the 90s, you have Scream ripping off Halloween, and then Halloween H2O ripping off Scream. Yeah. Well, and and again, it's all Wes Craven, right? The yeah. He's, he's got his tentacles around all this. <laughs> just a couple of smart guys in the room, and they made it work. And yeah. then, yeah, and then they just take the ball and run with it. That is horror. You know, that has been horror for, for many years. Uh, it's finally cool to see, like, a little more inventiveness coming in the last few years. I think we're at a real great place with horror right now Uh, oh the 2010s was a great decade for horror and i will say that having thought that the 2000s was a terrible decade for yeah the 2000s was just torture porn and i yeah i completely lost interest in horror for like a solid couple of years there because everything was saw and hostile and look at us cut this person's eyeball out of their head and it was just this isn't horror this is just gross like i'm not scared of this it just makes me nauseous yeah, and then it's it was also filled with all those like reboots of these things that made them the Michael Bay versions of, of <laughs> horror movies, which is like no, 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 let's not do that. Um, I even didn't really care for the the Evil Dead remakes or any of these other things. So you know, just just back to basics. Be smart, and I think we've really done that in the last 10, 12 years now. That it, they're really on a roll. And this year I was I had a lot to to look forward to unfortunately. I didn't I didn't have any hopes for Halloween kills like I say in like the the other one but you know I thought Quiet Place 2 was really well oh, done. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Antlers which comes out uh, in a couple weeks. That looks freaky. Um you know and Netflix has some uh, you know different variations of good stuff. Um and there's still I, a few I, more. I loved the Fear Street movies. I thought they I were really great. did. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed them. And I was shocked. Like when, when Larry was coming on every single week, we'd be like, damn, these, <laughs> these have gotten better. Like how, how are we doing? Yeah. This? Cause the first one's probably the weakest of the three. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like I enjoyed it. I thought like, okay, I'll finish the series out. And then the second one, I thought, well, that was really good. Yeah. And then the third one just brings everything together. And I thought it was at least as good as the second. Yeah. It lands the plane. That's all mm-hmm. it needed to do. And it totally did it. And it's not always easy to bridge the gap between, starting in flashback with like characters you already know playing people who aren't themselves and going like that was a real thin line like a razor (laughs) blade thin uh line that they had to cross and and they did it they they nailed it so it was impressive i've been very impressed about listening to interviews of like kind of the thought behind it and maybe where they're gonna go so i i would totally go with uh anything that i believe it's lee janiak is the writer director on that and she's very smart loves (laughs) loves scream maybe a little too much you could see but (laughs) oh yeah definitely but this is at least the positive ripoff of scream there's been so many uh that i've seen recently where they're ripping off scream or i know what you did last summer and it's just bad you know, they, they just anything to assemble a bunch of teenagers and that and call it a <laughs> call it an homage. It's like, no, 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 you didn't. So definitely uh, uh, we're in a great time for horror. But let's pivot. Let's <laughs> let's land this plane uh, Stu, um, with 
Escape the Undertaker. Escape the Undertaker. So, so you you said you haven't seen. Well, you said you haven't done like the whole choose your own adventure thing. I'm sure you did Bandersnatch, right? I did not because oh, wow, I, you know, I, I dip my toe in Black Mirror. I'm uh-huh. not like the biggest Black Mirror fan. Although I'm like I love Twilight Zone and never went Black Mirror. So I guess I'm I don't know what I'm waiting for. Um, but you know when that came out, I wasn't really watching black mirror so much at that time and i had people recommend it to me but i was like uh i don't know an interactive thing with a show that i haven't really watched so i kind of stayed away in a sense Mm -hmm. and there's been other like versions that seem interesting i mean i absolutely love uh the unbreakable kimmy schmidt and (laughs) yeah and they had an interactive one with uh it's called like yeah it's called the kimmy versus the reverend um so <laughs> who knows if that was any good you know good on them for for giving it a try with that one but that's that's pretty cool um and they also had i know uh, a bear grills one where you could be like it's called you versus <laughs> wild you could do all those things so they have varying degrees and full disclosure you and I are the choose your own adventure generation. And I still have choose your own adventure books in my house that I was like, maybe my kids will love this one day uh, or at least get a kick out of it at some point and and give it a try. So love it. Love the thought of it. And I've always thought it would work either as like, you know, a PC interactive thing. I think they maybe tried that at one point. Uh, And now, now that we have the technology, we can do this obviously on a streaming service now. Um, but the one thing that, again, I haven't been too up on is the WWE since probably, you know, Undertaker was first on the scene. Yeah. You know, at least uh, still some people I recognize. Uh, the New Day, you know, I, di- I didn't really know. But, you know, you were saying that, uh, would you say the Big E is the current champion? Big E is currently the world champion. Uh, the New Day as a grouping have been together probably about eight years at this point. I want to say they first got together in 2014. And initially, Kofi has been around since like the late 2000s. And he's kind of a mid-card guy. Like he was never in the main event. He just kind of wrestled for the lower tier titles and lower tier feuds. And Big E and Xavier Woods were two guys not really doing anything. So I guess they struck up a friendship and went to Vince, Vince McMahon, and said, hey, we want to be a thing. Let us do our own thing and nobody cares about us. You can just ignore us. And when they were allowed to just go out and riff and you watch them, especially on stuff that's not scripted, they are three of the most effortlessly charismatic people on the planet. (laughs) Yeah. Like I love watching those three guys do anything. And then in this, they're scripted. It's rougher. It is. They should (laughs) have let them improv a little bit more because that's kind of where wrestling is. It's like part you know, we need to get this outline of a story mm-hmm. done, but then they can kind of color within that a little bit. Well, you to know. be fair, you say you don't watch wrestling. I will say that's been the problem with most wrestling for the last 15 years or so is back in what's known as the attitude era when you had Austin and the rock and Chris right. Jericho and everything. And Kurt angle, you had that, like, they were just like, Hey, talk about this. And right. the wrestlers would go out there and just speak off the cuff and just kind of stick to an outline nowadays we're in an era where everything's scripted like when they're saying a promo that promo was written for them word for word oh for sure yeah you have some guys like roman reigns who's a big 
the other world champion on the other show. He's allowed to go off the cuff. New right. Day's allowed to go off the cuff, but pretty much everyone else is just like, they're very limited and they're having to stick to really crappy written promos. Right. Well, it's not like this was uh, a super well-written thing either. So <laughs> no. just for everybody, if you haven't uh, given this a try, I noticed that it did kind of crack the Netflix top 10 a little bit. So I guess when it first came out, people at least were interested and gave it yeah. a try. Um, so basically, it's this interactive WWE special that I've seen called a horror movie. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Um, it follows the New Day as they attempt to survive a haunted mansion that is haunted by the Undertaker, it, which is not an accurate description. I don't know why this uh, is. <laughs> yeah, he's not that haunted. Way. It's it's, it's his, his house. house. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're basically their big goal is to try to get the urn of yes. the Undertaker to combine the power of the urn with the power of positivity and be unstoppable. I be guess. Be unstoppable. Yep. Yeah. So this is written for an eight-year-old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it I really is. That's the other thing about WWE for the last several years is there was the Attitude Era where everything was, you know, blood and, and vulgarity and stuff. Sure. And for about the last 15 years, it's been very PG or less. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely aiming at a much younger audience uh, for the last decade or so. Yeah, and I'm sure, again, if I am of that age level and I have Netflix and or if I'm a family and we're just going to sit around and, and watch this with my kids or something, if they watch wrestling, okay, fine. But you could have upped it a little bit. To me, I was excited because I was like, all right, Undertaker's retired now and we can kind of get into it and maybe he could be kind of terrifying. You know, let him be a little scary. But once they had this pairing going on, I saw the trailer for it. I was like, no. Nah. <laughs> they, they scaled that back. There is no budget with this thing. It's nope. literally just, it has the set of like, you know, uh, an old season probably of like, you know, some VH1 reality show in, in the early 2000s. You know, they're just like, oh, we, it, it's, it's the weirdest episode of Cribs, you know, that you're going to find uh, for I The Undertaker. Say, to me watching it, it was just like, Oh, they're just walking around Mr. Belvedere's house. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, or, yeah, like the Webster house where it's like yeah. you're going to get into the, uh, the whatever, that pull up in the shaft from uh, the kitchen. What do they call that? A dumbwaiter? Oh, whatever that's right. That is. Yeah. yeah, where they <laughs> kind of use it as an elevator to get <laughs> Webster up and down. Um, but, yeah, to me, you know, I d did you play multiple scenarios or did you just like, I beat this, I'm done? <laughs> I played through it a couple times. I never got around to picking any of the quote unquote bad endings. I assume like where no. any of the members of the new day, like does a bad thing, like no. join the undertaker. I yeah. never did any of those. I went through and I played through all three of their fears. And then I did the yes. one at the end where Biggie can either destroy the urn or grab the urn and you get right. two kind of different endings, but that's pretty much it. And then I played through like one time I went to the basement first with Xavier Woods. And then one time I went to, you know, where Big E goes and sits on the throne. <laughs> yeah, I, for being a person who doesn't fully know these characters, but I went based on the introductions that they give and everything else, I was like, well, it would kind of make sense to follow Xavier because yeah. he's the plan guy. So mm -hmm. wouldn't you want the guy who kind of just knows strategy? Yeah. Um, and and there's a few things that are very obvious, like with the, the alligator or whatever, with the key <laughs> and stuff. Like, yeah. there's... So, it wasn't hard. 
I didn't feel like I was reading a choose your own adventure book. You know, like there were definitely, it was multiple scenarios, but a lot of times, like you were saying with the, the fears thing. Yeah. You could watch them, but it all gets you to the same place. There's no, there's not a lot of extra here. It all kind of gets you down to the same conclusions. Eventually it's just which character you're playing through to get there. Yeah, yeah, choose your own adventure. Which you said you didn't see Bandersnatch. Right. Bandersnatch does wildly different things depending what choices you make. This right. does not. This this is all paths are kind of going to the same place. It's just how you get there. Yeah, this was, hey, we have two WWE stars who are willing to do this, or two sets, whatever, uh, that yeah. we could do this. All right, let's just do it. Let's you know. just throw some money at this and see what happens. Pretty much. So I think, you know... Yes, it's not scary. It does pander to the lowest age level. Do you, what did you think of the combination? Do, is there enter, any uh, history with The Undertaker and The New Day? No, no, none none whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know that he's ever interacted <laughs> with them to any degree. He was really winding down in his career right around the time they started getting started. So even gotcha. though he's only been really retired for like the last year, for about the last decade, he was wrestling once a year. It was like he wrestled oh, okay. at WrestleMania and then he went away for the rest of the year. So yeah. while they were really on the rise and taking over television, he was barely there. Sure. Yeah. So that 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 was my thing. I was like, is this a continuation of something I also don't know or anything? Nope. But yeah, it seems kind of forced. And I'm, yeah. I'm I guess I read the room correctly. The very foggy, foggy room. <laughs> um, so it was an interesting experiment i don't know if i'd fully recommend it you know to to anybody it's like you said it'll probably take you at most like a half hour oh if yeah anything, it's it's about half an hour yeah yeah for any functional adult <laughs> <laughs> you know, it should probably take you about a half hour uh, and again that's if you're not going back and kind of just seeing seeing you know, all the different, different options, scenarios yeah. and stuff yeah you can get through it pretty quick though um so if, if you're bored you know it's not the worst thing in the world and you're a wrestling fan you're like all right whatever let me see what they do and you enjoy these characters but yeah that's what it comes down to for me like this is objectively not good and i have no idea how you tolerated it at all <laughs> yeah not knowing but anything. to me i at least appreciate the new day like i said i think kofi woods and biggie i think they're wildly entertaining i think they have like, I'm not saying they're going to be movie stars or anything, but Xavier sure. Woods, he's hosting the revival of G4. He's oh, yeah. Got, yeah, he's got his own web uh, stuff, like video game channels online that he does really well with. So, I mean, like, I think they've got good futures even when they're done with wrestling. They'll be entertaining in some form of the media or what have you. So I enjoyed watching them. If you're not already invested in at least them <laughs> or The Undertaker, you're not going to like this at all. Yeah. Although, like, I do agree with you. I think they do have a certain charisma to them that mm-hmm. I'm sure if it wasn't in something like this, I might yeah. enjoy them. The, so, the script of this, like, Biggie, like I said, Biggie is a hilarious dude, uh, a really good guy, too. You see him talk about the stuff he talks about on Twitter. But there's a scene on here where all three of them introduce each other or introduce <laughs> themselves, and Biggie's like, yeah. I don't need no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. I'm Biggie, yeah. and I was like, that's rough. But yep. that had to have been scripted because that's rough. But yeah, this was put together in a weekend. <laughs> there was no, there was no big thought here, you know. Because the they thing about some... the Undertaker, it's like, have we ever seen his house or anything like that? <laughs> it's so weird. 
Probably not. Probably not in, in WWE canon, no. And if he's had houses, I'm sure they've been various other things. Right. So this was all new. Yeah, like the Undertaker, or the, the urns in this weird lockup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And none of it really made sense. It was, you know, no. uh, whatever. But like I said, you know, if you want to give it a try, apparently a lot of people have, but uh, you have to be real hardcore and... <laughs> Ooh, just to even give it a try, but you know, good for good on anybody who has. Um, and yeah, I, I'm still gonna stay away from wrestling. Sorry, sorry, yes. Stu. No, this that's did, fair. This it's, didn't it's... lure me back in as a as a peripheral. And I fan. can't imagine it would lure anybody in. Yeah, but uh, definitely something to check out is your podcaster. So tell people, you know, where they can find Stu World Order and how that's going. Um, you know, because. It's, it's definitely a big project you're taking on with this one. So, yeah, we have the Stew World Order. I have a pretty comprehensive list of comic book movies, which is it's still hanging around about 125. Like even when people have chosen <laughs> things and they've come off, I'll find something to replace it. Right. Like I found out in like the mid 90s, there was a made for TV Generation X movie that I remember watching on Fox and I yeah, found that yeah. shit on YouTube. So I was like, it's going on the list. <laughs> Someone can pick this. But other than that, I mean, I've got a lot of, you know, all the big budget movies that you know of and everything. I have people come on. They give me three numbers. I look on the list and see what those numbers correlate with. Then they pick the movie they want to watch. You got Avengers Endgame. Which I know. To me, that's like the big star of everything. You you knock that one out like within four episodes of the show. I know. Like, it was so funny how poorly I treat you on this podcast <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, come do this stupid wrestling thing. <laughs> Project Watch Power. Project Power and the last the days last of American <laughs> Cram, which is so bad that it's like I'm abusing you in retrospect. <laughs> And you're like, hey, yeah, give me some numbers. What do you got? And it's like, here's the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> so yeah, completely, that's what we yeah. Do. We, we talk those comic book movies. It comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month. We're on uh, Twitter at SWO Productions. And our website is SWOproductions.com where we have articles pretty much every day because I'm a glutton for punishment. But I also have people who write for me. So it's it's not that bad. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've enjoyed even those when uh you know we start when you were first building up the site and we had some of those listicle type things. Yeah. You know, those were fun too. So definitely, man. Everybody I love lists, out. man. I know I'm such an internet jerk, but I love lists, man. I'll make top tens everybody of anything. Does. Yeah, top fives, <laughs> top tens, everybody, yep. that's all you want to do. Um you and I still have to convince uh Big John over at uh Pine of Comics to start doing a, a movie draft. Uh, you know, to kind of oh. get into that style too. So yeah, yeah, we have to lean on him. I, I you know, because <laughs> I can't do one for Netflix. Nobody knows the movies as well as I do. So it's kind of like you know, and everybody would be going for the same like ten, fifteen movies probably. So that wouldn't be fair. But you know, I'd be drafting. I'd be drafting the last days of American Crime just because I remember <laughs> it. <laughs> totally yeah which is not a place you want to be so no, don't tra no. no one should trap that movie ever no but a place you want to be is is with stew world order so it's a great website check out everything Stu has going on and all of his contributors it's a whole lot of fun and check out the podcast definitely doing a great job and yeah check out the avengers endgame episode i had a lot of fun doing that yeah, back on episode four it's a good one yeah Good flashbacks. That's what I we've think, talked about this entire episode. I think to this day, that's still the longest episode because we talked about the longest movie. 
Yeah, not only the longest movie, but the culmination yeah. of you know a decade worth of movies. movies. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, so it's it's a lot to deal with. So, yeah, woo, not something you're going to catch on here. <laughs> so, but we did talk about uh, many decades worth of stuff here, even though it's in a small, different, packaged way. So I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully this was less painful maybe than some of your previous appearances. Oh, no, I I didn't even hate Project Power. It was forgettable, but it was a perfectly fine movie. I really enjoyed watching the movies that made us. And like I said, the WWE thing, if they had found a way to stretch that out over an hour, right. ooh, but for that 30 minutes, tough. yeah, 30 minutes was fine. I blew through it. And to be fair to me, you were talking about it online i was like let's do it as yeah, opposed that's to true. like you know me going hey man can you just do this for me <laughs> yeah i was gonna watch it anyway so exactly. let's be honest yes <laughs> but i appreciate you coming on sir we'll have to have you back real soon yeah i appreciate being on always have a good time talking to you man 